Borokotosketele de Brozakla de Bra Nakala de Bababa. Nengle de Borokotosketele de Brina Katolo de Bobra da Zoklo de Brina Katale de Bohoho. Thank you, Father, that we pray with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, with all perseverance for all sins. And we rejoice that this morning we have access. We have the opportunity to fellowship together with one another. We want to thank you that revelation knowledge is available to all of us. So I pray for everyone hearing the sound of my voice. You are gifted revelation knowledge. The eyes of your understanding flooded with light. I decree that whatever is not planted by God is rooted out. Barriers are terminated. I command clarity of thoughts and clarity of understanding by the teaching of God's word. And I decree that by the end of this service, your people are equipped, built up, edified, and Jesus is glorified. Thank you for answered prayer. In Jesus' precious name. And every believer says a powerful amen. Lift your right hands to heaven. Let's release our faith together as we say these words. I am born of God. I am born of the world. The word of God is my nature. I do not struggle to do the word. I do the word naturally. Therefore today... I will understand the word of his grace. I will be built up. By the end of this service, I will never be the same. Never ever be the same again. In Jesus' name. And every believer says a very powerful amen. We want to welcome every one of you connected to this service today by way of Kingdom Life Network, Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter. All our house centers and all our campuses, we're glad to have every one of you connected to the service. And all of you that are connecting by, by XLFM in Aquaibom State, we're glad to have every one of you in Aquaibom State connected to the service this morning. We want to welcome all of you radio audience, and we're so excited that you're able to fellowship with us. We realize that in these times there's a lockdown and, a lo and everybody is not able to go to church so we decided to bring the church to you where you are, right? In your homes, in your cars, wherever you're listening to the sound of my voice. I'd like you to get ready. It's going to be a powerful time of the teaching of God's word and a powerful time of studying your realities in Christ Jesus. We welcome everybody. And here, guys, you get your pen, get your notebook, get your Bible. It's going to be a time of Bible study because that's the whole essence of Christianity, the teaching of God's word. Listen carefully, everybody. The totality of God's revelation is communicated via words. The totality of the revelation of God is communicated via words. John chapter 1 says, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. The word was God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So the totality of God's revelation is communicated to us via words. That's why you must pay attention to the word because we're going to be learning a lot of things today as we look into the scriptures. We've been looking at our subject on the two kinds of righteousness. The two kinds of righteousness. The book of Romans chapter 1 verse 1. Romans chapter 1 verse number 1. Brother Paul writes a letter to the church at Rome and he says, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God. We have explained what separated unto the gospel of God means earlier on. Look at verse 2 of that Romans chapter 1, which he had promised afore by his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. So the gospel of God is that which was promised in the Old Testament by the prophets. 
that which was promised in the Old Testament by the prophets. So what is the gospel of God promised in the Old Testament by the prophets? Look at the next verse. Concerning his son. Concerning his son. Romans chapter 1 verse 3. Not 7 verse 3. Concerning his son. Jesus Christ our Lord. So that which was promised by the holy prophets called the gospel of God in the Old Testament is concerning his son Jesus Christ our Lord which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh. Which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh. Give me verse 4. Verse 4 of the same Romans chapter 1. And declared to be the son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. So he says that the gospel is concerning his son. That gospel was a promise in the Old Testament spoken by the prophets. But now that gospel is about his son. Now look at Romans chapter 1 verse number 16. Romans chapter 1 verse number 16. Now 16 he now said, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. So the gospel of God is concerning his son. He now calls it the gospel of Christ. So the gospel of God concerning his son is now the gospel of Christ. Look at Romans chapter 1 verse number 9. Romans chapter 1 verse number 9. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his son, that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers. So the gospel of God is the gospel of Christ, which is the gospel of his son. So what makes it the gospel is that it talks about Jesus. What makes it the gospel is because it talks about Jesus. If it's not talking about Jesus, it's not the gospel. We're not saying you're not doing something. What we're saying is that you're doing something, but that thing is not the gospel. For if the, to be the gospel, it must be about Christ. It must be about Jesus. Because the gospel is the gospel of Christ. And it will focus centrally on his resurrection. It will focus centrally on his resurrection. The facts of the gospel, the facts of the gospel are seen from the resurrection. Not towards the resurrection, but from the resurrection. The facts of the gospel are seen from the resurrection, not towards the resurrection. Look at Romans chapter 1 verse 16 again. Romans chapter 1 verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. To everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Look at verse 17. Therein, for therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith as it is written, the just shall live by faith. So he now says the righteousness of God and we have studied to see that there is the righteousness of God only found in the gospel. You cannot find the righteousness of God anywhere else. The only place you can find the righteousness of God is in the gospel and the righteousness of God is by faith. The righteousness of God is by faith. So when he says from faith to faith, therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. When you read from faith to faith or when you read the Bible and it says from glory to glory, 
It's not saying from glory to glory to glory to glory or from faith to faith to faith. No, 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 no. That's not what it's saying. It's from faith to faith. That is, when was the gospel given? The gospel was given in the Old Testament. Question, was there faith in the Old Testament? Yes, there was faith in the Old Testament because in the Old Testament, the gospel was a promise. The gospel was a promise. But now, the gospel is not the same as it was in the Old Testament. The gospel is not the same as it was in the Old Testament. Now, what I mean is, it is the same gospel, but the tenses are different. The gospel in the Old Testament is the same with the gospel in the New Testament. However, the tenses are different. The tenses are not the same. In the Old Testament, it is faith towards what Jesus will do. In the New Testament, it is faith in what Jesus has done. The tenses are different, but it is the same gospel. So in the Old Testament, it's a promise. In the New Testament, it's a promise fulfilled. You didn't hear that. In the Old Testament, it's a promise. In the New Testament, it's a promise fulfilled. That is the faith now will be because it is fulfilled. So when I say from faith to faith, what I'm saying is from faith in a promise to faith in its fulfillment. From faith in a promise to faith in its fulfillment. I hope that is clear now. Now, just like 2 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 18. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 18. But we all with open face, beholding us in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. From glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. What's the first glory? The first glory is the glory of Moses. What's the second glory? The second glory is the glory of the gospel. So the faith is faith in the gospel as promise. The other faith is faith in the gospel as fulfilled. So the glory is the glory of Moses. Now the other glory is the glory that is in our hearts today. The glory of Moses to the glory that is in our hearts today. So now you take your eyes off from the glory of Moses and set your eyes on the glory of Jesus, which is in our hearts today. So that's simple way of studying the Bible. So come back again to 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. 2 Corinthians 3, 18. But we all with open face, beholding us in a glass, the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. The word we are changed is the word metamorpho. The word we are changed is the word metamorpho. The word metamorpho, easily you can say metamorpho is you are changed. Or you are moving. Because metamorphosis in, 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 in integrated science is a process. A process. But in this scripture, it's not a process. The change there is different from the change in integrated science. Use it the way the scripture used it. 
So in 2 Corinthians 3.18 was used from one to another. Straight up. Not a gradual process. From one to another. From Moses to Jesus. Not a gradual process like it is in integrated science. When you look at Matthew 17 and Luke 17, the transfiguration of Jesus was called metamorpho. That is, his appearance was changed to a glorious appearance. It was not a gradual change. It was instant. The moment they got to the Mount of Transfiguration, the disciples saw Jesus in a different light. In a different light. So that word change there, when he says change, is not gradual. It is not gradual. The metamorpho in the Bible is to see in another light. It's not the one in integrated science where the egg will change the lava to the pooper. No. In the Bible, it is from one glory to another. And it is instant because it is from the glory of Moses to the glory of Christ in you. Alright? So it is to move immediately from one glory to another. Look at that Matthew chapter 17 verse number 2. Matthew chapter 17 verse number 2. And was transfigured before them. And his face did shine at the sun. Instant. Was transfigured. The word metamorphosis is just change. So transfigured means you saw it in another light. That is, it changed its state. It changed its state. Look at Romans chapter 12 verse 2. There's another word there used I'd like you to see. Romans chapter 12 verse number 2. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of the mind. You see that? It means a change of status. Be transformed by the renewing of the mind. That change in you is that you can now approve things that are good and perfect will of God. Alright? So, is, is that, that change there to conform is to fashion like the Greek word suchematizo. That one is gradual. Alright? To, 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 to be changed where you can now approve things. Suchematizo. To be changed where you can now approve things. The renewing of the mind. Suchematizo. Is a Greek word. Look at First Peter one fourteen for clarity. First Peter chapter one verse fourteen. As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves. All right, suchematizo, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust in your ignorance. So that change is gradual. Now it is not the same in Romans eight twenty nine. There is still the same word in Romans eight twenty nine with a different meaning. For whom he did for know, he also predestinate, conformed, conformed to the image of his son. Conform. That word conform to the image of his son is not suchematizo. That word conform to the image of his son is the word somofo. Somofo. It means to be irreversibly bound. Somofo. To be irreversibly bound. The word in Romans 8.29 is used for the resurrection of the physical body. For the resurrection of the physical body. Look at Philippians 3.21. Please pay attention. Philippians 3.21. Who shall change our vile body? 
that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. So even though you will see transform, it's not saying the same thing. Again, context will explain what the transform within that context is implying. So in 2 Corinthians 3.18, where we've been dealing with, 2 Corinthians 3.18, put it up for me. 2 Corinthians 3.18. But we all with open face, beholding as in a glass, the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image, from glory to glory, even as by the same Spirit, or even as by the Spirit of the Lord. So when you hear from glory to glory, it means from Moses to the Gospel. From Moses to the Gospel. In Romans 12, it means from your mindset of the world to the mindset of the world. From the mindset of the world, the renewing of the mind, to the mindset of the world. In Romans 1.17, when it says from faith to faith, you know, the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. What he's saying is the faith of those who looked unto the gospel as a promise to the faith of those where the scripture has been fulfilled so the old testament faith was in a promise the new testament faith is in the promise fulfilled the promise fulfilled so it's from Moses to the gospel from Moses to the gospel all right look at second corinthians chapter 3 verse 3 pay attention 2 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 3. For as much as you are manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ, ministered by us, not written with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not in tables of stone, but in fleshly tables of the heart, not in tables of stone. Question. What was written with ink? Not written with ink. What was written with ink was the 613 laws that Moses wrote for the children of Israel. This one that we have today is not written with ink. It's written by the spirit of the living God. So the one on tables of stone refers to 10 commandments. Which is opposite of the one written in our heart. Tables of stone, put it up again, 3 3, 2 Corinthians 3 3. Pay attention to the reading. For as much as you are manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ, ministered by us, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, that's us, not in tables of stone, but in fleshly tables of the heart. So, tables of stone is the opposite. Of the spirit of the living God. Tables of stone. Is the opposite of the spirit of the living God. Written in our hearts. So we said. That the ten commandments. Was construed by Moses. To fit sinners. With the help of angels. To suit those. Who did not believe the gospel. That the ten commandments. The ten commandments was given by God in a promissory note of the new man in Christ. 
it was given by God in a promissory note of the new man in Christ. So that is why we studied the scenarios. So we find out that in Mount Sinai, this was the scenario in Sinai. Hebrews 12, 18, pay attention. Where Moses gave them the Ten Commandments with angelic assistance. He says, for you are not come unto the mount that might be touched and that burned with fire, nor unto blackness and darkness and tempest. Next verse. And of the sound of a trumpet and the voice of words, which voice they that heard entreated that the word should not be spoken to them anymore. Next verse. For they could not endure that which was commanded. And if so much as a beast touched the mountain, it shall be stoned or thrust through with a dart. Next verse. And so terrible was the sight that even Moses himself said, I exceedingly fear and quake. So that is what we find in Mount Sinai. Moses and angelic assistance. But look at the opposite of Mount Sinai. Hebrews 12.22 Hebrews 12.22 But you are come unto Mount Zion, unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels. You are come to Mount Zion. Look at verse 18 of Hebrews 12. Verse 18 of Hebrews 12. You are not come unto the mount. That is not where we are come. We are not come to Sinai. We are not come to the to, to, to Mount Sinai. Look at verse 22 of Hebrews 12. But you are come unto Mount Zion. So Zion is the opposite of Sinai. Zion is the opposite of Sinai. Please pay attention. We are come to Mount Zion, the city of the living God. He mentions God in Mount Zion. But he did not mention God in Sinai. In Sinai is tempests and thunderings and quakings. In Zion we are come to the city of the living God. Zion is not a place. Zion is a relationship. Zion is a message. So he mentions God in the message of Zion. He mentions God in the message of Zion. Please stay with me. So the Ten Commandments we said ought to have been preached as a message to be believed. Moses ought to have preached the Ten Commandments as a message to be believed. As a message to be believed. Not to be conformed with. Not to be conformed with. Not to do something. Not commandments to do something. But a message to be believed. In Matthew chapter 19 verse 8, we see why Moses twisted it from a message to commandments to do. Jesus said unto them, Moses, because of the hardness of your hearts, suffered you to put away your wives. Because of the hardness of your hearts, suffered you to put away your wives. But from the beginning, it was not so. From the beginning, it was not so. So Jesus explains why Moses gave the law. 
the way he did it. Instead of giving it as a promise, he gave it as a law because of the hardness of their hearts. Because of the hardness of their hearts. In other words, this is not the promise of life that God had before the foundation of the world. This is not the promise of life that God had before the foundation of the law of the world. The law was added. The law was added. So we have a responsibility to go back to Mount Sinai and rewrite the Ten Commandments. You didn't hear what I said. We have a responsibility by the revelation of the New Testament to go back to Mount Sinai and rewrite the Ten Commandments. We will rewrite it and remove all the phrases that Moses and his assistants added. We will rewrite it and remove all the phrases that Moses and his assistant added. So let's go to Exodus chapter 20. But before we get there, remember, remember, we said few days ago, up till now, when Moses is read, the veil is upon their hearts. Up till now, when Moses is read, the veil is upon their hearts. But when it shall turn to the Lord, when the heart of a man shall turn from Moses to the Lord, the veil shall be taken away. The veil shall be taken away. Look at this. Moses being read, what is the meaning? Moses being read will mean what is written on stones. What is written on stones. So when we take away the veil, we now find the words. We now find the promise. When we take away the veil, but as long as the veil is there, the, as long as the veil is there, we cannot see the promise of life. We cannot see the promise of eternal life. So let's go to this issue. Exodus chapter 20 verse 2. Exodus chapter 20 verse 2. I am the Lord thy God, which had brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Next verse. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Next verse. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. Next verse. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them nor serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God. I'm a jealous God visiting the iniquity of the fathers to the third and fourth generation of them that hate me. Of them that hate me. Now we already took time to do some work there. That word visit is the Hebrew word paquad. P-A-Q-A-D. It means to care for. It means to pay attention to. And that is where the apostles of generational causes and ancestral causes always stay. But that scripture was not meant for bondage. It was meant to demonstrate the mercy and the love of God. Because the word visit, we have never seen it used in the Old Testament to bring evil. 
it is always to bring good news. The word visit. So it is not to punish. To visit is to care for. To visit is to be able to pay attention to. So that scripture that has often been used as a scripture for breaking curses and ancestral covenants is a scripture that is supposed to, to show the loving kindness and the mercy of God in protecting the children from what the fathers did. That is why the first generation of children that came after those children of Israel that were hardened entered the promised land. Because it was not a scripture for causes. It was a scripture of God's loving kindness over the children of those people. Giving them a fair chance to hear the gospel. Giving them a fair chance to hear the gospel. So back to Exodus chapter 20 verse 7. Exodus chapter 20 verse 7. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. For the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. Verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. The word in vain is the word empty. It means to oppose the name of the Lord your God or to, to, to treat the name of the Lord your God with disregard. To reject the gospel of his rest. Then we saw that in verse 8, he now said, you must, you, must, you must celebrate the rest. You must celebrate the rest, which is the Sabbath. Which is not a day, but a person. Jesus is our Sabbath. Jesus is our day. So go back to Exodus chapter 20 verse 9. Exodus chapter 20 verse 9. Six days shall thou labor and do all thy work. Verse 10. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not do any work. Thou, nor thy son, nor thy daughter, thy man-servant, nor thy maid-servant, nor thy cattle, nor thy stranger that is within thy gates, nor thy stranger that is within thy gates. Who added that? Because there's an addition there. Now, but look at verse 11. 11 of Exodus 20. For in six days, the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that in them is, and rested the seventh day. Wherefore, the Lord blessed the seventh day and hallowed the seventh day. So now we establish that the first six statements, we find man's relationship with God. In the first six instructions or first six statements of the Ten Commandments, what we have there is man's relationship with God. And he rested it on doing nothing. That man's relationship with God will not be based on what man does. It will be based on what God has done. That man's relationship with God will not be based on man. It will be based on God. That's why it is called Sabbath. It is called rest. That is, everything is said in verse 2. He rested it to verse 11 to say, Remember the seventh day, God rested. God rested after he has finished all his work. So we can call the first five commandments to love God. We can call the first five commandments that man ought to love God. Alright? Then the last set of commandments, the last five, we can call it to love man. So the first five, to love God. The second five, to love man. Pay attention. 
So if Moses is read, you will read the four as a commandment. You will read the first five as a commandment. So let's take away the veil and understand it. Second Corinthians chapter 5 verse 18. Let's take away the veil. Second Corinthians 5 18. And all things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and had given to us the ministry of reconciliation. Verse 19. To wit that God was in Christ. To wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself not imputing their trespasses unto them and had committed unto us the word of reconciliation. God was in Christ reconciling. So if we go back to Sinai we must always see that God was in Sinai in Christ reconciling. What will God be looking for? Will God be looking for sin? No. Because God does not impute sin. So what will God be doing in Sinai when the veil is removed? When the veil is removed in Sinai, we will see God in Christ reconciling the world. But when there is the veil of Moses on Sinai, we will see thou shall not, thou shall not, thou shall not. But when the veil is removed, we will see God in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. So I will see those commandments as reconciliation. I will see those commandments as reconciliation. So why did Moses minister them as commandments of condemnation? Why did Moses minister them as commandments of condemnation? Jesus told us, because of the hardness of their hearts. Because of the hardness of their hearts. Now you can't have hardness of heart until the gospel has been preached. It is when the gospel is preached and a man rejects the gospel, we can say that that man is hardened. We can say that that man is opposing the gospel. So come with me to Hebrews. Because by now, if you have paid attention, you will see that Moses didn't have any fault. He said to them, I said before you life, I said before you death, choose life. He preached the gospel to them. Then when they rejected the gospel, he now gave them the law and the commandments as things to do since they rejected the rest of God. Look at that Hebrews chapter 4 verse 1. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 1. Let us therefore fear, lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest. Any of you should seem to come short of it. A promise of entering his rest. A promise of entering into his rest. So the gospel will be a promise of rest. The gospel will be a promise of rest. Look at verse 2 of Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4. For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them. Not being mixed with faith in them that heard. Unto us was the gospel preached 
as well as unto them. So question. Was it the law that was preached to them? No. Because the law is not of faith. The law is not of faith. Look at verse 3 of Hebrews chapter 4. Pay attention. Hebrews 4.3 For we which have believed do enter into rest. As he said, as I have sworn in my wrath, if they shall enter into my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. The works were finished from the foundation of the world. So whatever God promised in the gospel has always been on ground before the sin of Adam. The works were finished from the foundation of the world. So the gospel of rest in Christ predated Adam. The gospel of rest in Christ predated Adam because the works were finished from the foundation of the world. So the only reason why you don't enter rest from the foundation of the world will be unbelief. The only reason why you don't enter rest from the foundation of the world will be unbelief. Look at verse 5 of Hebrews chapter 4. Verse 5 of Hebrews chapter 4. And in this place again, if they shall enter into my rest, verse 6. Seeing therefore it remaineth that some must enter therein. And they to whom it was first, they to whom it was first preached, entered not in because of unbelief. They to whom it was first preached entered not in because of unbelief. Was this rest Canaan? No. It can't be Canaan. Look at verse 7 of Hebrews chapter 4. Verse 7. Again, he limited a certain day saying in David, Today, after so long a time, as it is said, Today, if you will hear his voice, Harden not your heart. Look at the next verse. For if Jesus had given them rest, that word Jesus there is Joshua. If Joshua had given them rest, then would he not afterward have spoken of another day? That is, if Canaan was the rest, there will be no need to talk about Christ. Canaan was not the rest. So, Pay attention. Look at that verse 8 again. Verse 8 of Hebrews 4. For if Jesus had given them rest, then would he not afterward have spoken of another day? So Canaan was not the end point. The rest was not a place. The rest was found in a person. The rest was found in a person. The gospel of rest which was preached from the foundation of the world, was going to be found in a person. The rest of God is a person. And when you believe that gospel, you cease from works. You cease from your works when you believe that gospel. So we can therefore say the greatest sin in the Bible is unbelief at the gospel. Unbelief at the gospel. So when we say love God, we want to deal with that because 
in rewriting the Ten Commandments, we broke it into two segments. The first five is for you to love God. The second five is for you to love your neighbor. So we want to deal with that first five. Can a man really love God? Or what does it mean to love God? Stay with me. Matthew 22, 36. Matthew 22, 36. Put it up. Matthew 22, 36. Master, which is the great commandment in the law? Next verse. Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. Next verse. This is the first and great commandment. Next verse. And the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Next verse. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. If you have been a good student of the epistles, did you observe that the epistles didn't talk about man loving God at all? The epistles didn't talk about that. Man loving God. The epistles didn't talk about that. The love emphasized in the epistles is to love the brethren or love your brother or love somebody. Now, oftentimes, those who scream love God, love God are selfish people actually. Because now, how do you love God? Do you hug him? Do you kiss him? How do you love God? How? He's not a physical person that you say, I'm hugging him. He's not a physical person that you will say, I, I, am, I am protecting him. How do you love God? How? Jesus told us, pay attention now. If you miss here, you shouldn't even have listened to me at all. Jesus emphatically told us, you love God when you believe in his son and you do nothing. Jesus told us that loving God is to believe in his son and do nothing. You didn't hear that. Jesus told us that to love God is to believe in his son and do nothing. You know, we sing the song. Father, we declare that we love you. We declare our everlasting love for you. That song needs to be corrected. You don't have an everlasting love for God. Even you, how much, how, do, how much are you able to love the people around you? How long? Some of you, your love is so transient. One day, two days, the love has finished. So how can you love God everlastingly? So that song ought to be, Father, we declare that you love us. We declare your everlasting love for us. Father, we declare that you love us. We declare your everlasting love for us. Because the scripture tells us, not that we love God, but that he loved us. God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet seen as Christ died for us. The love of God for us, very important. So we declare your everlasting love for us. That is how you love him. You love him by
by accepting his love for you. Look at John 5.22. Pay attention. John 5.22. John 5.22. For the father judgeth no man, but had committed all judgment unto the son. Next verse. Pay attention. That all men should honor the son, even as they honor the father. He that honoreth not the son, honoreth not the father, which had sent him. So to honor the son, I mean to honor the father, is to honor the son. If you don't honor the son, you do not honor the father. Look at John 5.42. John 5.42. But I know you, that you have not the love of God in you. Next verse. I am come in my father's name and you receive me not. If another shall come in his own name, him you will receive. If you receive the father, you receive me. If you honor the father, you honor me. This is Jesus speaking. Look at John 5.39. John 5.39. Search the scriptures. For in them you think you have eternal life. And they are they which testify of me. Verse 40. And you will not come to me. That you might have life. Then go to verse 45 of John 5. John 5 45. Do not think that I will accuse you to the father. There is one that accuses you. Even Moses in whom you trust. Next verse. That is 46. For had you believed Moses, you would have believed me. For he wrote of me. 47. But if you believe not his writings, how shall you believe my words? So who was Moses writing about? Moses was writing about Jesus. Now remember, to honor the father is to honor the son. To believe the father is to believe the son. John 6, 28. John 6, 28. Then said they unto him, What shall we do that we might walk the works of God? We want to walk the works of God. Look at me everybody. That we may walk the works of God. We want to do something to show God we love him. We want to do something to demonstrate to God that we love him. Somebody was speaking to me and said, How will God not bless me with a car? How will God not bless me with a car? With, with the way I have served God, God has no choice than to bless me with a car. I laughed. And I said, so everything you have is because of how you have treated God. Is that right? Have you made mistakes? He said, yes. Have you done wrong? He said, yes. I said, under the law, if you break one, how many did you break? He said, I have broken all. I said, so you couldn't have gotten this car because of what you did. Because in the midst of the good things you did, you must have done some bad things. And that bad thing cancels all the good. You cannot be bragging that with the way I have served God, that is like an MMM, like a Ponzi scheme. God doesn't do something for you because you did something for him. God does something for you because he's your father. He loves you. God is not responding or reacting. God proacts. For God to react will mean that he is not God. That means something took him by surprise. God proacts. Ahead of time, 
God has done everything he will do for you in Christ. You are not doing what you do to be able to meet a standard. Mm -mm. God doesn't need you to do anything. That's what they were asking. Put it up again. John 6, 28. What must we do that we might walk the works of God? Look at Jesus' answer in verse 29. Jesus answered and said unto them, This is the work of God, that you believe on him whom he has sent. Faith in Christ is the greatest work of God. That you believe on whom he has sent. That is the work of God. To believe in Christ is the only work. The only work a believer is asked to walk is to believe in Christ. Look at John 12, 44. Stay with me. John 12, 44. Jesus cried and said, He that believeth on me, believeth not on me, but on him that sent me. Next verse. And he that seeth me, seeth him that sent me. So to believe in Jesus is to believe in the Father. To hear Jesus is to hear the Father. To honor Jesus is to honor the Father. I hope you are following the trend of discourse. Come to John 14 verse 1. John 14 verse 1. John 14 verse 1. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. You believe in God, believe also in me. So to believe in God is to believe in Jesus. Or to believe in Jesus is to believe in God. Look at John 14, 15. Now pay attention. We are talking about loving God. John 14, 15. If you love me, keep my commandments. If you love me, keep my commandments. If you love me, keep my commandments. And the commandment is to believe. So loving God will be believing in Jesus. When you believe in Jesus, you love God. Loving God is to believe in Jesus. Look at John 14, 21. John 14, 21. John 14, 21. He that keepeth my commandments, he that hath my commandments, and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. He it is that loveth me. And he that loveth me shall be loved of my father. And I will love him and will manifest myself to him. So to keep his commandments, which is to believe in him, is the way you love him. Loving God is keeping his commandments, which is faith in Christ. You didn't hear that. Loving God is to keep his commandments. And his commandment is to believe the son. Believing Christ is believing God. See Christ is see God. Honor Christ is honor God. So loving God will be to believe in Jesus. Look at John 14.23. John 14.23. Jesus answered and said unto him, if a man love me, he will keep my words and my father will love him and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. Give me 24. 
24. He that loveth me not, keepeth not my sayings. Keepeth not my sayings. And the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's which sent me. So how do you love God? You love God by loving Jesus. How do you love Jesus? You love Jesus by believing in him. You love Jesus by believing in him. So what is the work to do? The work to do is to believe. The work to do is to believe. How many of you believe Jesus? Okay? That means you love God. That means you love God. You know, a few years ago, people came out with all kinds of things. And this came out from America. God chasers. We are God chasers. We are God pursuers. We are God pursuers. All of this stuff. You know, uh, we're chasing God. Where, is, where did he get lost? Where is he hiding? You know, or you hear people say, I choose you again and again. Lord Jesus, I choose you. Hey, stop that. Jesus said, you have not chosen me. I have chosen you. You can't choose him. He chose you. He chose you. You know, you can't pursue him. Where will you find him? You can't. So he comes to you. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. You can't chase God. God is chasing after you. He's loving you. He's going after you. He's seeking you. He gave you a parable that when a sheep is lost, a good shepherd will leave 99 and go chasing and looking for that. God keeps chasing. That's the love of God. God keeps chasing after us. He goes out of his way. He does everything he needs to do to find us. He keeps looking for us. He keeps looking for us. So you don't choose him. He has chosen you. And he has chosen you in Christ Jesus. But when Moses is read, there is a veil. There is a veil. I love God because I believe in the Son. I love God because I believe in the Son. It's not an emotion. Oh, Jesus, I love you. I love you, Jesus. I die for you. No, it's not an emotion. Loving God is faith in Christ. Believing in Jesus is you loving God. And you believe once. You believe in Jesus once. You become a son of God. You believe in Jesus once. When you hear the gospel, you believe once. And you become a son of God. You know? So, we have the spirit, the promise of the spirit in the New Testament. We have the promise of the spirit in the New Testament. Look at 1 John 3.22. John 3.22. And whatsoever we ask, we receive of him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. We keep his commandments. Give me the next verse. Next verse, 23. And this is his commandment. And this is his commandment that we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandment. This is his commandment. Glory to God. That we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus. Look at 1 John chapter 5 verse 1. 1 John chapter 5 verse 1. Whosoever believeth. Whosoever believeth. 
not whosoever doeth. Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone that loveth him that begat, loveth him also that is begotten of him. Give me the next verse. By this we know that we love the children of God. When we love God, how do we love God? And keep his commandment. What is commandment? To believe in Jesus. Give me verse 3. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. And his commandments are not grievous. Give me verse 4. For whatsoever is born of God, overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Give me verse 5. Pay attention. Who is he that overcometh the world? But he that believeth. But he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. But he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. So to love God is to believe in Jesus. Don't be singing, I'm desperate for you. So you don't get desperate. Don't do that. Don't do that. He has come to you. Believe the gospel. He has come to you. Believe the gospel. He has loved you. You have believed him. That means you love him. He has loved you. You have believed him. That means you love him. So now because we love him, Jesus said, the second is likened unto the first. Now that we love him, by believing in Jesus, the second is likened unto the first. So we now like people. We now love people. It's like the Ten Commandments. The angels and Moses, you know, reconstructed. In the promise of the Spirit now, we are born of the Spirit. We walk in the Spirit. It is called the fruit of the Spirit. Joy, love, peace, long-suffering, kindness, meekness. They are our relationships among men. That's why we are not told to love God. But we are told to love men. Because for God, when we believe in Jesus, we have loved him. But now, the practical demonstration of that love will be towards men. That's why to show love, we are not called to impress God. We are not called to impress God. We are called to express God. We are not called to impress God. We are called to express God. We have already impressed him in believing in Jesus. We have already impressed him by faith in Christ. So we now expressed him. Your faith has impressed him already. Abraham believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness. God's greatest delight is that you can believe him. God's greatest delight is that you can believe him. That is, you take him at his word. You take him at his word to show that you believe him. You believe what he has said. Now back to Exodus 20. Please stay with me. Exodus 20. It relates with the Sabbath of God. The rest of God. Remember the Sabbath. Do nothing. 
The Sabbath is not your work. It's just for you to believe. The same thing he gave to Adam. He gave to Adam rest. Adam rejected that rest. In Genesis chapter 2 verse 2 to 3. We treated it a few days ago. Which is to believe. That is the only work a man is given. To believe and do nothing. Remember, God created man after he has finished his work and is resting. Because man is supposed to function from the place of rest. Man is supposed to function from the position of rest. Man is supposed to operate from a place of rest. Alright? So we can safely say, we can safely, after all of these weeks of analysis, we can safely say that the Ten Commandments are man-made. And we can safely say that the Ten Commandments are man-made. Because the Bible says they were not written with the spirit of the living God. The Bible tells us that those Ten Commandments were not written with the spirit of the living God. They were written on a table of stones. However, when the veil of Moses is removed, what we see is the promise of God's rest. So the spirit of God writes on the tables of the heart. They were man-made because of the audience to whom they were given. Moses, because of the hardness of your hearts. But that was the promise of the spirit of God. So like Paul said, that which ought to be life became death to me. That is that which ought to be life, I find it walking death. So what we should hear is not thou shall not. What we should hear is the promise of God which is the gospel. The promise of the new creation in Christ. What we can do in Christ. Who we are in Christ. What we have in Christ. I don't see commandments when I read Exodus 20, I see the revelation of who I am. I see the revelation of what I can do. So if I walk in love towards my fellow human beings, I am not doing it to impress God. I am doing it to express Him. I impress God once by faith. Let's look at Galatians. Let me answer a few questions. Did God ever give a law? No. Did God ever give man a list of things to do? No. So to rewrite the Ten Commandments, we will call them rest. Rest. R-E-S-T. Because when you enter that rest, you will see the promise of life in Christ. Look at Galatians 3 verse 1. The way brother Paul will speak to the Galatian church. Oh foolish Galatians. Oh foolish Galatians. Who had bewitched you that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ had been evidently set forth, crucified among you. Next verse. This only will I learn of you. Receive you the spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith. Next verse. Next verse. Are you so foolish, having begun in the spirit, are you now made perfect 
by the flesh. Look at verse 4. Have you suffered so many things in vain? If it be yet in vain, how can you allow someone convince you that the deeds of the law will give you acceptance before God? How can you allow someone convince you that morality will score points with God? That's what brother Paul was talking about. Look at verse 6 of Galatians chapter 3. Verse 6. Even as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness. Verse 7. Know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. Next verse. And the scripture foreseeing that God will justify the hidden through faith. Preach before the gospel unto Abraham saying, in this shall all nations be blessed. Give me verse 9. Oh glory. So then, they which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. Question. When did the law come? The law came much later after the promise of God in Christ. Look at verse, 11, verse 10 and 11. Now pay attention. Galatians 3. For as many as of the works of the law are under the cause. For it is written, cause is everyone that continueth not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. Verse 11. But that no man no man but that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident. For the just shall live by faith. The just shall live by faith. What is telling is that God is not concerned. We do what is right not to be accepted by God. We are already accepted by God. So we do what is right to express our nature in love, joy, peace. Not to mark records. Because God was not counting sins. He does not count sin and will not count sin. Look at Galatians 3.12. You will love this. Galatians 3.12. And the law is not of faith. But the man that doeth them shall live in them. The law is not of faith. Means the law is not from God. The law is not from God. Look at verse 13 of Galatians 3. 13 and 14. Christ hath redeemed us from the cause of the law. Be made a cause for us. For it is written. Cause is everyone that hangeth on a tree. Next verse. That the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ. That we might receive the promise of the spirit through faith. What promise? The promise of the spirit. Look at verse 15 and 16. Now pay attention. 15 and 16. Brethren, I speak after the manner of men. Though it be but a man's covenant. Yet, if it be confirmed, no man disannulled or added thereof. If it be confirmed, no man disannulled or added thereto. I love this one. Give me verse 17 now. Now to Abraham, verse 17, Galatians 3, verse 17. And this I say, now give me 16, 16 before we get to 17. Now to Abraham and his seed, where the promise is made, he saith not unto seeds as of many, but as of one. 
unto thy seed, which is Christ. 17. Oh glory. And this I say, that the covenant that was confirmed before of God in Christ, the law, which was 430 years after, cannot disannul that it should make the promise of non-effect. Alright? So, in thee or in Christ shall all families of the earth be blessed. Now, what promise was made? The promise of the Spirit. Did you observe in verse 17? The covenant of God in Christ. God was in Christ reconciling the world. Look at Galatians 3.15. Something instructive. 3.15. Brethren, I speak after the manner of men. Though it be but a man's covenant. Yet if it be confirmed. If it be confirmed. No man disannul it. Or added thereto. No man disannul it. Or added thereto. The covenant of God in Christ before. Is the word prokuro in the Greek. Prokuro. P-R-O. K-U-R-R-O-O Before it happened Used earlier by Paul In verse 15 That if you confirm The covenant You cannot annul or add to it Every addition To a confirmed covenant Becomes illegal The word crow Means before the law was given God had confirmed This covenant What was the covenant Faith in Christ. Faith in Christ. He said, once the covenant is confirmed, you cannot annul or add to it. That is, the covenant was ratified before the law. Therefore, you cannot annul it and you cannot add to it. So the new covenant is God's everlasting commitment. He gave it to Abraham. He gave it to Adam. He gave it to Noah. He gave it to Abel. That is God's only commitment. Grow. He makes that statement. It means unchangeable. Unchangeable. You can't change it. Whatever is said, is said as a grow. Confirmed, ratified, cannot be changed. It cannot be changed. So he said the law that came after cannot disannul that it should make the promise of God of non-effect. So the old covenant came after the new covenant. It was called old because it was not supposed to be permanent. The old covenant was called old because it was not supposed to be permanent. It is all It was called old because it is temporal. It is called old because it was for a select group of people. Look at Paul's argument in verse 18 of Galatians 3. Look at Paul's argument. For if the inheritance be of the law, it is no more of promise. But God gave it to Abraham by promise. Inheritance means you did nothing. It was transferred to you. An inheritance is what you didn't do anything. You just inherited. 
Look at verse 19 of Galatians 3. Glory to God. Wherefore then served the law, it was added. The law was added. Why? Because of transgressions. Till the seed should come to whom the promise was made. And it was ordained by angels in the hands of a mediator. So can it be, can God be the person that gave the covenant and added the law? No, of course. It was not God looking for the law. At no point has God ever looked for man's conduct. Faith in Christ is the highest moral conduct in humanity. Faith in Christ is the highest moral conduct in humanity. That is, every other good conduct comes from faith in Christ. Every other good conduct comes from faith in Christ. So, the most moral man on the earth, the most moral man on earth is the man who has believed in Jesus. Any other good deed gotten outside faith in Christ is dead works. The highest moral conduct in the world before God is faith in Christ. You know, the law can't annul it. You cannot add to it. It has been ratified. Because he says in verse 19, the law was added not by God, but by transgression. It was added because of transgression. Who added the law? Moses is the word prostikemi. Prostikemi. P-R-O-S-T-I-C-H-E-M-I. To put more. To increase. But God didn't add. God does not react. God's plan from the beginning of time has been the gospel which will produce faith in Christ. The promise of the spirit through faith. God expects the good conduct to come from his spirit. Not from our efforts. God expects the good conduct to come from his spirit. Not from our efforts. Now follow this. I'm about to read something. Galatians chapter 4 from verse 19. Pay attention now. Pay attention. My little children of whom I travel in birth again until Christ be formed in you. They have been, they have been playing around the law. So, and Christ cannot be formed in a man that is dancing around the law. Next verse. I desire to be present with you now and to change my voice. But I stand in doubt of you. 21. Tell me, you that desire to be under the law, do you not hear the law? Next verse. For it is written that Abraham had two sons, the one by a bondmaid, the other by a free woman. But he who was of the bond woman was born after the flesh. But he of the free woman was by this promise. Which things are an allegory? For these are the two covenants. The one from Mount Sinai which gendered to bondage which is Agar. For this Agar is Mount Sinai in Arabia and answered to Jerusalem which now is and is in bondage with her children. But Jerusalem which is above is free which is the mother of us all. Next verse. For it is written, Rejoice, thou barren, that bearest not. 
break forth and cry, thou that travelest not. For the desolate had many more children than she which had an husband. Next verse. Now we brethren, as Isaac was, are the children of promise. Next verse. But then, but as then, he that was born after the flesh persecuted him that was born after the spirit. Even so it is now. Next verse. Nevertheless, what saith the scripture? Cast out the bondwoman and her son. For the son of the bondwoman shall not be heir with the son of the free woman. 31. So then, brethren, we are not children of the bondwoman, but of the free. We are not children of the bondwoman, but of the free. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I thought somebody would shout, thank you, Lord Jesus. I thought somebody would shout, thank you, Lord Jesus. We are not children of the bond woman, but of the free. Now listen carefully. God never give a law for anyone to perform. Never. God has always made promises. In the law, you make the promise. In the gospel, God makes the promise and you receive it. In the law, you are the one promising God. In the gospel, it is God who makes the promise and you receive it. You will see God clearly only in his promise, which is the gospel. Let me add this quickly as a roundup. No one's iniquity is yours. Adam's sin is Adam. So God does not round up everybody. Listen carefully. Right doing, therefore, starts from right believing. Right doing, therefore, starts from right believing. You cannot do right until you believe right. When there's right doing without right believing is dead works. Right doing without right believing is dead works. And you are under the cause. That's what the Bible says. He that doeth the works of the law is under the cause. Right living starts from right believing. Right living starts from right believing. The minute you are trying to please God to be accepted, you're under the cause. Because you're already accepted. We start from acceptance. We do not work for acceptance. The minute you are trying to become patient, you are trying to be long-suffering. You are trying to have joy. You are trying to have peace. You are under the cause. But when you first declare, I am kind, I am patient, I am love, I am peace, I am gentle, he now walks in you. We will go more into this on Wednesday. We will go more into this on Wednesday. But, but you must take note. I am not doing it to be accepted. I am accepted. So I walk in love. I am accepted. So I walk in joy. I am accepted. So I walk in peace. The first deed is man's righteousness. And that is what religion preaches. The religion preaches works, performance, efforts, and you can never qualify. The highest form of morality is I have believed. I have believed. I am already accepted. I am his very own. I, 
I don't walk to become. I walk because of who I am. Look at 1 John chapter 4 verse 19. 1 John chapter 4 verse 19. We love him because he first loved us. So our first love is the love that God has for us. It is the Greek word proton agapos. Our first love is the love that God has for us. Look at 1 John 4.16. 1 John 4.16. And we have known, glory to God, and believed the love that God has to us. God is love. And he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God. He that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God and God in him. We have come to know and believe the love that God has for us. Hallelujah. God loves me. God, we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. Ladies and gentlemen, you are a recipient of God's love. When you receive that love by believing in Jesus, then the nature of God takes up residence. Then when the nature of God takes up residence inside you, that nature begins to express itself naturally in love, joy, peace, long-suffering. You are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus first unto good works, which God before ordained that you should walk in them. Glory to God. I like to pray for you wherever you're hearing the sound of my voice. Stand on your feet. Father, thank you for everyone under the sound of my voice. We decree that your people resign from performance to faith. Right now, barriers are broken. Revelation knowledge is gifted you. You are accepted in the beloved. You are the righteousness of God in Christ. You are complete in him, the head of all principalities and powers. I command sick bodies be healed. I rebuke barriers and obstacles be broken in the name of Jesus. And I declare right now, wherever you are hearing the sound of my voice, begin to function in your realities in Christ Jesus. Enjoy the goodness of God in the land of the living. I declare you blessed today in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Oh my goodness. What a blessing, what a blessing. Now those of you listening to me on radio, XLFM, will be live again with you on radio on Wednesday, on Wednesday by 5 p.m. GMT plus one. And you must tell everybody about the broadcast on radio FM. You know, uh, you must tell everybody. And listen carefully. Please don't go away. Stay with me. Listen carefully. Wherever you had the message today, if you, if you have a church where you belong to, send your pastor your offering. Tell him I ask you to do so. But if you're a power citizen or you don't have a church, then of, of course, make sure you send your offerings to us right now. Phone numbers will be called on radio where you can call and ask questions, where you can call and ask for prayer, where you can call and ask for information. Those numbers will be called, but I'll be live with all of you on radio again on Wednesday. You don't want to miss the continuation of this teaching. Enjoy the rest of your day. Now, all of you online and our campuses on Facebook, YouTube, and all the platforms, I'd like you to grab your offerings, grab your kingdom investments, grab your partnership, 
all of you watching in our campuses, our centers, online, you know, or YouTube, Instagram, all of you, the banking details are scrolling right now. I want to pray over your offerings and just celebrate what God has done in this place. Father, we receive by faith right now the offerings and the investments and all of the partnership commitments to enable us keep announcing the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Everyone giving today grace abound towards you. You always have sufficiency in all things. You abound unto every good work. And I decree that this week you have the favor of God. Where you need financial miracles, God's favor is at work for you. You have ideas, concepts, insights in the name of Jesus. Your needs are met supernaturally right now. Great grace is upon you. Thank you, Father, for answered prayer. In Jesus' precious name. Amen. Glory to God. Hey, guys, it's been a joy serving you the grace of God through the teaching of his word. I want to encourage you, if you miss the first service, go back and listen to it because I started some teaching on how to study the Bible. And I'm going to continue on Wednesday. You don't want to miss Wednesday service. Now, but listen carefully. You know that I'm online throughout the day. 10 a.m., 12 noon, 6 p.m., 10 p.m., GMT plus one every day. You don't want to miss the teachings like today. We'll be live again at 6 p.m. and 10 p.m. Share with people, invite more people, encourage more people to hook up to this platform as we keep teaching you and feeding you with the word of his grace. Now listen, you don't want to miss a service on Wednesday this week. I'll be live on Wednesday at 5 p.m. GMT plus one. And don't forget to shoot me questions because I'm going to do a broadcast where I'm going to deal with questions. So if you have questions from the teachings we've been teaching, please don't fail to shoot the questions to me by email, Damina at yahoo.com. Damina at yahoo.com. Our house centers, we live in the able hands of our pastors right in there. All our campuses, we live in the able hands of our coordinators and everybody else online. Share the messages. Keep growing. Keep learning. Looking forward to hook up again with you on Wednesday at 5 p.m. And until then, enjoy the grace of Christ and be blessed. Amen. Glory. Amen. Hallelujah.
this 